You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another show today. And as a reminder, if you did not get an opportunity to listen to our Sunday morning recap, Matt, see what I did there? I always say Monday. That was the plan, but I felt like you all wanted those shows earlier. So we're giving you every single recap of Matt Vandenberg dropping Sunday. We dropped the win over Iowa recap, or the win over Wisconsin, excuse me, that recap yesterday. So make sure to tune into that. Matt went in great levels of detail about what he thought on the game and he gave some behind the scenes you know information on you know Kirk and his emotions all that kind of fun stuff that we saw pop off at the end of the you know end of the game um, it was fun seeing Phil and Kirk show a little bit of emotion um, after beating Wisconsin it was it's been a tough tough series as of late not beating Wisconsin so make sure to check out that episode but on today's episode we're switching gears a little bit now we know who Iowa is playing next week and they are playing Michigan and I have a lot of feelings about that. I am absolutely pissed. I think the Big Ten screwed over Iowa. And I'll explain why later on in the show. We're also going to be breaking down Iowa's two big wins over Iowa State and Northern Illinois. And I say big, not meaning that the wins themselves were fantastic wins. They're not going to go down as key wins when looking at the NCAA tournament resume. But they were big from a box score perspective. Iowa blows out both Iowa State and Northern Illinois. And we're going to talk about those games as well. Iowa also got another recruit added to Class 2021, Carson Schar. He's a three-star prospect, previously committed to University of Northern Iowa, projects as a linebacker at this point. We're going to break down his film on another episode, most likely on Wednesday's episode, so make sure to tune into that. And also, the women's basketball team did fall to Michigan State this weekend. They played tough. They got down by a lot, made it closer in the fourth quarter. I was actually watching that game while watching the Iowa football game. Um, Just overload of Iowa sports this weekend, but um, they did fall to the Michigan State basketball team it is finals week this week so not as many athletic activities popping off this weekend or this week excuse me we do potentially have Iowa versus Gonzaga later this week so we'll get into that more if that is going to happen could be a really fun Saturday seeing Iowa destroy Michigan and Iowa take on Gonzaga as long as there are no COVID issues there but with all that being said let's hop into the show talk about some of the information that you know some of the stuff that happened let's start with the basketball games because that happened on Friday. Iowa took down Iowa State and what a win that was. It's always great to beat beat the Cyclones and um, you see the the fandom, you see the the fun, you know, back and forth on Twitter and whatnot. But at the end of the day, can you really? I mean, that was just a blowout. That was something we haven't seen in quite some time. You see Georgia's Niang start. I'm sorry, but get off Twitter, man. If you're you're clapping at young kids and uh, young adults about. Iowa State versus Iowa and all that crap, dude. You have you're a grown man. Get off of Twitter. Get off. You know you you play for the NBA. Are you really that pissed off about this? I mean, Iowa has dominated Iowa State and everything over the last four to five years. Deal with it. It sucks. Um, we can also still be impressed by what Iowa State football has done. Um, so I don't know. I'm getting on a little tangent there, but I do think it's a little bit ridiculous to see some of the Iowa State fans somehow pretend like. 
what Iowa is doing doesn't matter um, because the one season where they've actually had a good football team, uh, a little bit ridiculous. Either way, Iowa beats Iowa. I went on a tangent there. Apologies, guys. It has been quite a weekend, and I have a lot of feelings about the topics we're talking about today. Iowa does beat Iowa State, though, 105-77. to 77. Um, And again, it, it looked a little scary early on. Um, Iowa State was staying in. Iowa State came into this game as an atrocious three-point shooting team. Let me say that again. Iowa State came into this game as an atrocious three-point shooting team and all of a sudden hits 41% from three. That kept them in the game. Imagine if Iowa State shot the way they have been shooting from three. This game could have been even worse. But Jalen Coleman lands, lands five of seven three-pointers. Uh, Javon Johnson hits two. Rasier Bolton hits two. Tyler Harris hits two. Hell, Xavier Foster hits two three-pointers. Now, what I find interesting about that is how Iowa won this game is not how we saw Iowa win the game against North Carolina. And although at the end of the day, Iowa's defense is still a very big concern. I do not want to go past that. Iowa's defense is a huge concern coming into tournament time. Because they are just not a fundamentally sound defense. After that Iowa State win, they're still 79th in Kempom in defensive adjusted efficiency. They're number one in offensive adjusted efficiency, but it's number 79. They need to get better defensively. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, especially talking through what Northern Illinois did early on to keep that game close, which actually really helped me out from a betting perspective. But they need to get better defensively. However, what I am most impressed with by this Iowa team is how they're winning offensively and how they're doing it differently every single game. Okay? I was concerned about after the first three games, wondering how is Iowa going to win? You know, all they've shown is that Luka Garza is fantastic in the paint. We know Luka Garza is fantastic in the paint. Now we get to North Carolina. Iowa starts draining threes like they've never shot. I mean, like they're they're the best three-point shooters in the history of the NBA. Right, and now we're in we're in college basketball, and this is Iowa, and they are absolutely dominating from behind the you know behind the arc against North Carolina. Luka Garza gets in foul trouble, isn't able to contribute as much as he would like. He struggled a little. Sorry, excuse me. He didn't get in foul trouble there, but wasn't able to um, get the roles that he typically is able to get. Struggled a bit. Now we get into this game against Iowa State. Luka Garza gets in foul trouble. Iowa cannot shoot the three worth a darn. They shot, if you take out, we're going to get to Luka in a second. If you take out Luka Garza's ridiculous run of three-pointers, Iowa shot 27% from three. No one made more than one three-pointer. Austin Ash had one. Patrick McCaffrey had one. Jack Nungie had one. Jordan Bohannon had one. Frederick had one. CJ Frederick missed two. Bohannon missed five. Jack Nungie missed one. Keegan Murray missed two. I mean, down the line, Iowa just couldn't shoot very well from three. However, this is what I'm talking about. They crushed it getting to the paint. They did a fantastic job of driving to the paint and getting the buckets when they needed to. Joe Wieskamp really impressed me with what he did that game. He did a great job of taking over and going into the paint. Jack Nungie put up fantastic minutes while Luka Garza is out. 19 minutes played, 7-9 from the field, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks, 1 assist. What a stat line. This is, again, Iowa is finding new ways to win, and that really impressed me against Iowa State, finding ways to win. And then what really took the game off and blew it open was when Luka Garza came in and just started draining three-pointers at a bigger clip than Steph Curry. That, that run there was just phenomenal. People in his face, he didn't care. He was absolutely feeling it. Um, and he, it, in 17 minutes of play, 13 of 14 from the field, 
6 of 7 from 3, finished with 34 points in 17 minutes. He passes B.J. Armstrong for 5th all-time. Impressive. Absolutely impressive. Scored 21 straight Iowa points. I mean, what you that is... I'm sorry, but he has to be the front. I mean, he if he's not the front runner for national player of the year, then whoever is telling you he's not is wrong. He is because he is not only a front runner, he has put together such a phenomenal lead. Uh, it's in, it's insane what he's doing. He somehow managed to go back to college and get so much better from a year where he was the number one player in college basketball. You can't coach that. That is just dedication and willingness to work. Also, along those lines, I thought C.J. Frederick played a fantastic game as well. Um, didn't show up as much in the box score, but still played a great game. Four of eight from the field, uh, one of three from behind the arc. Connor McCaffrey, I thought, struggled a little bit shooting the ball. 0 of 4 from, from three. Uh, again, his shot isn't great. That's not what co- makes Connor McCaffrey great. What makes him great is his ability to find passing lanes when no one else can. How he plays pretty solid defense. He is an emotional leader out there, but not a very good shooter. And we saw that against Iowa State. Joe Tucson, I feel like, still needs to get more minutes. Only 13 minutes played, two of five from the field, seven assists in his time played. They, you know, he needs to get more time in in the game. And we're gonna need him as we continue to to get into the season. We're gonna need him to play bigger minutes because we need that energy off the bench. Um, I thought he did a fantastic job when he was in. I thought defensively, one of the cool plays, I didn't, I can't remember who he was guarding, but um, Iowa State was trying to back him down, and Joe Toussaint just backed away, let the guy fall, called a traveling. Uh, that was a heads-up play by Joe Toussaint. Also, Keegan Murray, uh, man, so much you can talk about Keegan Murray. There was, when, I remember when, he, when him and his brother committed, him and Chris committed last season, Iowa Nation was like, who the hell are these guys? We don't even know these guys. Well, do you know him now? Because Keegan Murray is a beast, and he is going to be a huge contributor. This is Nicholas Bayer 2.0. And I'm not saying that he's better than Nicholas Bayer, but I'm saying this is the clone of Nicholas Bayer. What he does offensively and defensively is what you saw from Nicholas Bayer. He's going to only continue to get more minutes. He's going to be a key player down the stretch as a freshman. Huge stuff. 17 minutes. Um, didn't actually finish with any points, but what I thought was great was one of the plays at the five-minute mark, I believe, in the second half, uh, Played some fantastic D, knocked the ball away, and jumped out, grabbed it, and threw it back in bounds. Um, those are the kind of heads-up plays that you love to see, especially from a freshman. Now, I went on a lot of bit of tangent there. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with some more basketball talk. And if you're anything like me, though, before we get into the basketball talk again, you're always on the go. I'm always moving around. Even hell today, I'm recording this episode. It's Sunday. I ran, I ran a couple miles, 10 to be exact. I did some work. I watched Iowa basketball. I watched the Denver Broncos. I'm taking my wife out on a little date. Uh, it just We're always on the go, always moving around. But sometimes you just need to take a second and chill. You need to take a second and relax. And there's nothing better to do when you're taking a second to chill than grabbing the only beer out there that's actually made to chill. And that is Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. And it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And believe me, I would know. I'm out here in, in crispy and refreshing Colorado. I don't know if people typically use those adjectives, but um, it the, the air out here is fantastic. And it's crisp and refreshing, just like when you crack open an ice-cold Coors Light. Coors Light is the one I choose, and I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right. You can have it delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, folks, remember to celebrate responsibly. This message is brought to you by Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. 
And just a reminder before we get into the show, we have shows dropping every single day of the week. We do not have a show tomorrow, but we do have a show Wednesday, breaking down Kirk Ferentz's press conference, also talking through the metrics that matter. And then we're going to have our crossover Thursday episode covering the Michigan Wolverines game. Should be a fantastic game for Iowa. And then we'll have some content covering Gonzaga. So make sure to tune into that. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast at so you can listen to Locked on Hawkeyes every single day. Let's get back into our show, though. Covering basketball, once again, we did not get a chance to talk about the Northern Illinois game. I went on a bit of a rant for the Iowa State-Iowa game, which I thought was worthwhile. There was a lot of stuff to cover from that. But in this Northern Illinois game, um, it was expected that Iowa was going to win big. They were favored by 30 and a half. It uh, turns out they won 106 to 53. And we learned a decent amount about this, about this team, despite the fact that Iowa didn't really have the best of competition. Northern Illinois got off to kind of a hot start. They were making their, you know, making their shots. They were playing really great defense. I thought, you know, Iowa was in a man defense and they were struggling with some of the ball screens, which is something to watch out for in, the, you know, in the future. Uh, Iowa switched the zone and it really made. Northern Illinois kind of struggled from there. Iowa shot the ball fantastic. Of course, Luka Garza got his 8 of 10, 2 of 3 from behind the 3-point, 23 points, 8 rebounds in just 20 minutes. Connor McCaffrey, I thought, played pretty well as well. Uh, 5 points, 4 boards, four boards 7 assists. Joby's camp, 20 points, 9 of 13 from the field. Uh, so, again, the, the, the team played fantastic. And then we got to see a lot of the younger guys get in there as well. Keegan Murray had a great game. 15 minutes, 10 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 2 or 3 from behind the arc. And doing his typical Keegan Murray type of thing. Uh, lots of hustle points there. Joe Toussaint clearly was the most superior athlete on the court, which also was fantastic to see. Um, again, great win by Iowa. I love seeing the younger guys get in. And the fact that these younger guys can actually expand on the lead. All right, these younger guys are not just getting in there and blowing a lead and making it 30 points or 20 points. They're actually expanding on it, which is impressive to see. Our second and even our third string guys like Austin Ash coming in, hitting two threes. Um, it's, it's great to see that we have so much depth from a shooting perspective. Um, this team, though, they're about, they're about to get the tested real quick because they got Gonzaga coming up this upcoming Saturday. If that game does happen, no fans are going to be there, which is unfortunate. But it should be a lot of fun to see that. Iowa... That's their biggest test of this season, you could argue. And then they get into Big Ten play. So um, great to see them finish off some of their, you know, some of the easier non-conference games. Took care of North Carolina, which was a big game. Took easy care of Iowa State, and then made quick work of Northern Illinois. Um, they, you know, again, they were down in the first five minutes. Ended up finishing off that first half, fifty-one to twenty-seven. They finished off the second half, fifty-five to twenty-six. Capitalizing, doing even better with younger guys in the lineup ultimately winning 160-53. This team is one of the highest scoring teams in the nation. They've hit the 100 mark multiple times this season. Iowa is now 6-0, and which is phenomenal, and they are third in the nation. As we get more details uh, coming up on this Gonzaga game, we're going to make sure to cover that as well. So lots of stuff to cover there. So please stay tuned for that. Coming up on segment number three, though, we're going to break down the decision by the Big Ten. I know it's a quick segment, but we're going to get into the Big Ten decision, and that is going to be... You're going to want to hear that. It's going to be quite the rant. I'm a little bit pissed off about what the Big Ten did, so stay tuned for that after a few messages from our sponsors. Most notably, though, is Built Go. Built Go is the 
workout gel that you have been missing. It's one and a half ounce packages. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and even better results. And it comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. It's made by the same people who make built bar, which if you haven't tried is phenomenal as well. I have built goes every single morning before my workout. It has become my go-to you know, pre-workout. It's what I get used to get going throughout my workout. And if you don't need to work out, or if you don't need a, a pre-workout, just use it for a pick-me-up throughout the day. Like I said, has caffeine, has all the things you need, like beta alanine, B3, honey, and like I said, that kick of caffeine to ignite your work. Also got B6, B12 to keep you going strong, and collagen as well to promote that joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. Not only does it make you feel good, it literally makes you look good as well. Go visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilko.com. Let's go, y'all. NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcasts all this week. Plus, waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. I'll be tuning into the preview of Locked On Nuggets. That is the team I live in Denver is the team I follow. If you love the T-Wolves, the Bulls, the Bucks, whoever it may be in the Midwest, make sure to check out that Locked On podcast as well. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast at and listen to one of the other great podcasts we have on this network. Let's get back into the conversation though, talking about why Iowa is playing Michigan this Saturday and why I'm a little bit pissed off about it. So let's start from the beginning because initially the Big Ten, after they decided to cancel the season, then decided they were going to play an eight-game schedule without any breaks at all to finish right in time for the final college ball playoff ranking, basically an ode to Ohio State. They wanted to make sure Ohio State had an opportunity to play in the college ball playoff, and so they wanted the season to finish by the time the college ball playoff committee came out with their final four. I understood that. They also decided that on that day that Ohio State would play in the Big Ten Championship game, which it was assumed by pretty much everyone that it would happen. I mean, that's probably one of the easiest things you could have predicted coming into this season. So they get to that point, right? They also say that the two seeds are playing each other. The three seeds are playing each other. The four seeds are playing each other. East versus West is playing each other. Now, again, let me remind you, they did not put a single week of buffer in between that at all. So there was not an opportunity if there was a game canceled. And mind you, the Big Ten had the strictest coronavirus protocols in the nation for college football. And I'm, I support that. Okay, I support the strict protocols. But you had to have known that there was going to be games canceled. And I would say if they had to have known, I, I would honestly say that they, they probably didn't expect it to have this many games canceled, this many teams miss out on so many games and have to obviously go back and change the minimum requirement of games, all that stuff. They clearly did not expect it to be that. They probably had a best case scenario and a worst case scenario, and we probably hit that worst case scenario. Now, what should happen this weekend is Iowa should get Indiana. Iowa and Indiana should be playing each other, and they're not. And why that's important is Indiana is above Iowa in the rankings. To me, this is a perfect opportunity for Iowa to be a ranked team and get into a New Year's Six Bowl. However, we don't have that. And you can talk all day about who Iowa played and the fact they didn't play anyone that tough. I get it. You know, they didn't. I mean, I think the Big Ten honestly was pretty tough from top to bottom. I truly think that. I think 
overall, the conference was pretty strong, and that's why you saw so many teams kind of finish in the middle of the pack. That's what happens in a regular year, but you get those non-conference games as well. So I don't think this is that unnormal from what we've typically seen. I'll try to go back and see some of the stats and get you an idea on that, but listen to who they beat. Indiana beat Penn State 36-35. Indiana beat Rutgers 37-21. Indiana beat Michigan 38-21. Indiana beat Michigan State 24-0. Indiana loses to Ohio State 42-35. If anyone watched that game, you know they were down more than that. It was a bigger deal than that. Ohio State had already had that 21-point spread covered at halftime. Indiana did a good job of fighting back and clawing back. Justin Fields played his worst game of his career, but we don't need to get into that. Then Indiana beats Maryland 27-11. Last week, Indiana beats Wisconsin 14-6. My point of saying this is Indiana is ranked higher than Iowa, and I don't think deservedly so. They hadn't played more games than Iowa, right? So they are coming into this game. They are 6-1, I believe. Let me confirm that. Let me just check that real quick. Yep, Indiana is 6-1. Iowa is 6-2. Indiana is ranked above Iowa. And so for Iowa to get the opportunity to play Indiana, if they win that game, they are undoubtedly in a New Year's Six Bowl. However, the Big Ten decided, oh, man, we didn't get some of those rivalry games that people don't give a crap about. Who cares about Indiana versus Purdue? I'm sorry. That is not one of your – that is not a rivalry game that a lot of people typically care about, okay? And especially this year with Purdue being Purdue. I know they beat Iowa early on. They're now 2-4. and four. They went 1-4 and four in their last five games. That is an easy win for Indiana or an easier win for Indiana than Iowa. I feel like the Big Ten is basically saying, oh, we feel bad that we couldn't let Indiana go to the Big Ten championship game because we changed the minimum game requirement. So instead, we're going to give them this opportunity to beat Purdue, keep their spot in the standings, and then play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Now, I don't like to subscribe to conspiracy theories. I don't think that's probably how it went down, but that's how it seems like on the outside looking in because Iowa has a path to New Year's Six Bowl and it is beating Indiana. That was it. You beat Indiana, you're in a New Year's Six Bowl. You're in a New Year's Six Bowl, probably against an Iowa State. That's how close we are to getting into a New Year's Six Bowl. You beat Indiana. Now, I I mean, and we'll find out a little bit more. The college football playoff rankings are going to come out Tuesday evening, tomorrow evening. Maybe the committee looks at it and says, you know what? We've been so impressed with what Iowa's done. We're going to actually jump Indiana. In that case, all is well, and I don't actually care that we're playing Michigan. But if... And I expect it to be this way. If Iowa is ranked lower than Indiana, this is a travesty for Iowa. They have a possibility of going 7-2 and two and going to a non-New Year's Six Bowl. Outback Bowl, Citrus Bowl, whatever. That isn't the goal. That's not, I mean, that's great and it's awesome and I'm really happy for the team. But they have played so hard and worked so hard to get to this point, And to be screwed over by that really upsets me. They're going to now get a 2-4 and four Michigan team that no one in the national media gives a flying crap out because Michigan sucks this year. Jim Harbaugh did a terrible job with this team. They're still bad at playing, you know, playing football and at quarterback. This, in theory, should be an easy win for Iowa. All right? But it's also not a win that's going to really look that good. For the college football playoff committee, you beat a two and four Michigan team. They go two and five. What does that win do for Iowa? It maybe helps your money a little bit, right? You're playing this game at six p.m. Central Time on ESPN. That does help from a marketable standpoint, but that is ridiculous. 
How do you not face up Iowa versus Indiana? Instead, we get Indiana versus Purdue because the Big Ten feels like uh, we want to be you know, true to the rivalry games. You should have thought about that before you scheduled eight straight games in a row, and then now you're going to screw over Iowa when they want to play an Indiana team, and they want to beat an Indiana team. They want to get into a New Year's Six Bowl, but they might not have the opportunity simply due to scheduling, which the Big Ten entirely controlled. That is so frustrating to me to hear. So with that being said, let's go through the quick, you know, the quick rundown of these games because I do think it's important to kind of get an, an idea of what these games are. So they are keeping the Minnesota Wisconsin, the they are keeping the Minnesota Wisconsin game. I think that's a good one. I think that is a a big time rivalry that people again. I'm not as close to Indiana Purdue, but it frustrates me especially because Wisconsin and Minnesota don't have a lot on the line, right? They don't have a New Year's Six bowl on the line. They have a bowl game on the line, maybe some pride, but not a big game. Illinois versus Penn State, wow, that's going to be a crappy game and no one cares about. Michigan State versus Maryland, who cares? That is a that is a East Division showdown, not a big deal. And Nebraska versus Rutgers, wow, I honestly am so glad they put Rutgers against Nebraska. I think that's going to be hilarious when Rutgers beats Nebraska and goes to a bowl game over Nebraska in Graciano's first year for taking over a terrible program, and he's not blaming his players like Scott Frost is. But then, again, Indiana versus Purdue, and then Iowa versus Michigan. Give us what we want. Iowa should be playing Indiana. They should be playing to see who goes to a New Year's Six Bowl. That's the best competitive way to do it. And the Big Ten shied away from that and said, we're going to play the rivalry games. Uh, that is ridiculous. I, I just There's no other words to that other than that is ridiculous. I'm upset about it. Iowa got absolutely screwed by that scheduling. But at this point, there's nothing else we can do. So we must go on. We must beat Michigan. You want to hope that Purdue takes down Indiana or that on Tuesday evening, tomorrow evening, when the college football playoff committee comes out with the rankings, that Iowa is ahead of Indiana. In that case, all they need to do is beat Michigan and they're in. I truly believe that you beat Michigan and they're in. But now if Indiana beats Purdue, which they will be projected to do, we're going to need a lot of help to get in. We're not there yet. I find it very unlikely that the college football playoff committee actually puts in three Big Ten teams. And that's not even factoring in what they ultimately decide to do with Ohio State. And God forbid Northwestern beating Ohio State, then Iowa's definitely out. But it's frustrating. I wish we were playing Indiana. I'm sure Kirk wishes they were playing Indiana. But we have to make the best of it. We're going to beat Michigan Saturday night at Kinnick. For, you know, we didn't think we are going to get another game at Kinnick. We got another game at Kinnick. We're going to beat Michigan, and we'll see our fate then. That is my thoughts, though. That's why I'm upset about this. I, I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's inappropriate what the Big Ten did. Um, but we will move on. That being said, coming up later this week, we'll be covering that matchup, Iowa versus Michigan. It's a matchup I actually thought could happen, but for different reasons, because I thought Michigan would finish second in the Big Ten, not at the bottom where they did finish. But we're going to be covering that all throughout the week. Um, we're going to be breaking down the Iowa-Gonzaga game as well. Lots of stuff coming up in the Iowa Hawkeye athletic community, so we're going to be breaking all that down throughout the week. Just a reminder, though, no show tomorrow. Um, we will be back on Wednesday morning. So stay tuned for that. Please subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast app. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, Hawkeye Nation, I appreciate the love and support, and let's go Hawks.